0: Exploring local black history with the Halls of Power documentary about Elijah Manley. This coming Sunday, February 19th, Sunshine Cathedral will present a special showing of The Halls of Power, a documentary that showcases the historic political run of Elijah Manley, the youngest candidate for Florida State House. Tonight we present a special interview by Sunshine Cathedral's own Reverend Darrell Watkins with film directors Janae Joseph, Graciel Quezada, and Bianca Vucicic, as well as Manley himself, as they discuss the film and why it is important for young people to get involved in the community. So, Elijah Manley, this is my third time <laughs> that I get to talk to you. I love that. The first time um, you came to church to let yep. people know who you are, and I just voted for you the day before. Uh, the, the thing, like, you know, where you <laughs> made, yeah. And uh, so, so I just voted on you. It's behind us, so it's not an endorsement. I can say that now, right? That uh, that I voted for you because it's done. But um, so it's your first time. I noticed your amazing shoes. Like that's because I'm I'm not only the oldest, I'm the queerest person at this table. So I noticed your amazing shoes, (laughs) and then you came back. This is what endeared you. I mean, first of all, you were very endearing to the congregation anyway. You spoke well, and and you know, and and everyone was rooting for you. But then in the primary, when someone else uh, got the thing you came back soon to promote somebody else. And that was super endearing. People loved that, that you were so committed to the cause. It's like, okay, if not me, then let's get this next. And it was for the school board. He was running for a different position, but you were still, um, you were still promoting. So anyway, you became a big hit at Sunshine Cathedral, not only with your own debut, but then you were right back helping other people get noticed. So that was, yeah, uh, you have a lot of fans now at the Sunshine (laughs) Cathedral. And now I am at a table (laughs) with you, look at me. And when you walked in, first thing, shoes. I looked, I did. you're the shoe guy, so not all are you the shoe guy, though. You're the political guy. Uh, I guess I had voted a time or two, maybe by the time I was your age. Uh, but you have actually run for office, yep. and more than once.
1: More than once, and I've never missed uh, voting in an election in my entire life so far.
0: Oh wow! Well, well, uh, so that's what two elections. I mean, you're what, <laughs> you're you're <laughs> you're very young to be so. And I was thinking about this earlier when I was. Uh, the Earth had recently cooled, and so when I was your age, it was sort of expected that young people would get busy. You know that you, you, uh, there were some really overachievers; they're in high school already, knowing what they were going to do. But if not, then certainly by midway through college or shortly after. You're supposed to have a plan. And you're supposed to be an adult, and you're supposed to be doing things. And so I started ministry in my mid 20s. And it was, you know, it was that now when young people do that, we really notice like, Oh, wow, look at them being all having their life together by 40. And uh, that was <laughs> but so it, so is, is it odd for you that you sort of stand out just for knowing who you are and what you want to do and getting after it?
1: Sometimes I think about it. And I'm like, I'm just a kid. <laughs> like,
0: was,
1: I'm no different from anybody else, honestly, but except I guess. <laughs> Not a lot of us running for office right now, so that's.
0: So what gave you the, I don't know if it's courage, but certainly the vision, the drive to uh, like, I don't know, even in my, you know, in my 30, 20s, that I would know how to do what you've done. Like, how do you even get through the paperwork? and get going back? So what, what, what gave you the drive to work all that out and get going?
1: Well, a lot of it was life experience. I really thought about why I was doing it first. Um, and I remember when I first dropped off my paperwork to run for school board, which was the first race I ever ran for. That was the county white seat that actually Alan Zeeman is running for right now.
0: Yes, that you were promoting.
1: You know, it's it's funny, people, you know, usually it's the older candidate bringing a younger candidate out and promoting them, but now all of the older candidates are running to this kid. And that <laughs> four years later. But I remember when I first dropped my paperwork off uh, to the supervisor of elections office, and I, also remember when I did that for Tallahassee, you actually have to drive up to Tallahassee and deliver the paperwork to the state capitol in person. Um, just looking at the process and reading all of the laws and the statutes to make sure you don't do anything you're not supposed to do, you have to spell your name this way, you have to put all of this information in and you can't miss anything. It was so much. It was a lot of bureaucracy. It was a lot of red tape. And I'm thinking as a young person, like who? I don't know anyone my age who's going to sit there and do all of this and have a lawyer look it over and all of this stuff. Um, But I was really dedicated and committed to it. So I I thought about everything in my life that I've went through. And I said, I want to be on the ballot. And although it was a a hard process um, for someone young and you have to spend money out of your pocket to do it too sometime, I think it was worth it. I don't know 10 people of any age that
0: have done it, and, you know, do you worry uh, about peaking early? Uh, When I think of young people who, uh, they didn't, I mean, they started very young and they're just still going forever. Uh, Bill Clinton started very young, uh, and uh, President Obama started very young, and uh, the the Vice President, she started very young, uh, and they're still going. But some people, they start very young and they're like worn out by, you know, their mid-30s, and you never hear from them again. So uh, which do you think, which path do you think you'll be on? That is to be determined. But you know,
1: I I look at Joe Biden, he actually got elected to his county council at twenty three. He was young, yes. And by the time he was uh, he got elected to the US Senate he was twenty nine, he wasn't even old enough to be in the Senate yet. Um, (laughs) So he, uh, I look at that and I, I'm like, our president started so young, and so many of our elected officials here, and they just kept going at it. Um, some people lost, you know, their first one, two, or three race. I mean, Joe Biden has lost a million times. Mm-hmm. Obama lost his first race for the state senate against uh, Bobby Rush, uh, who is uh, still a Congress member right now. Um, a lot of people lose. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, guys, but kid, like a bunch of times. see <laughs> Hastings, like eight times, he lost yeah. before he got <laughs> to Congress. But um, they kept going. And they got impeached.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah. no doing back. Yeah, <laughs> I love C. Hastings.
1: <laughs> but I, I mean, I look at that and I, I think they, they were persistent. Mm-hmm. They kept doing it. They really thought about why they were in it because it's not cheap to run for office so mm-hmm. like no one's doing it for hopefully not
0: for money or anything because you don't get that out of it it's, yeah. it's
1: a suspensive endeavor
0: so you keep saying that uh, uh the reason by, you know you know, what, remembering why you did it and people things remember why they're doing it why why, why did you do it what, what what is the what what is the goal uh what uh, what were you hoping to do on the school board? What were you hoping to do in the state legislature? What were you, you hoping to do in your next endeavor? What is it you're trying to achieve in these in these uh, halls of power? We'll get back to that. Uh, what are you trying to achieve in these halls of power?
1: Yeah, I, I think it just goes back to uh, g- growing up and living in poverty. Uh, part of my story, which I talk about a lot, and I know the newspaper talked about it, and it's also featured in the documentary, was growing up homeless as a young person. And that was chronic throughout my life. That was started in elementary school. We get settled. Sometimes we go homeless. And this was a single uh, single family. My mom had several kids. So being the only person providing the bread in the family at that time was a lot for, you know, my mom. And she only had a high school education. She didn't have a lot of resources. She was disabled. So we found ourselves in poverty. And, you know, out of caution of not, you know, getting taken away from our mom, we kind of kept that. Under the table, we, I told teachers they helped out. They sent shoes home sometime. They, you know, brought hygienic project uh, products uh, to school. They came to the house and helped us out sometime. They and I remember couch surfing and all of that stuff. So I think that really motivated me to go into politics. I could have went into a lot of other things. I could have went into business and everything, but I decided to go in down the route of public policy because that's really the meat and bones mm-hmm. of how you change the problem that we're seeing in society with poverty, with uh, Lack of focus from politicians, and I decided that was the route I wanted to take. And at first, it was daunting because there was really not a lot of young people I saw around the time who was doing that. I'm like, I'm literally going to be the experiment here, so I got to um, figure it out.
0: You, um, um, there's a, there's so many layers to your story. Uh, you know, you being young, and you know, and then your your the economic situation of your family, and and this added of. Because you, you didn't want to sort of get in trouble or, or make things more difficult. You, you've sort of added a, a secrecy, which is a burden, you know, like, right. oh, don't tell people that we could, you know, mess up our family or whatever. And then in addition to um, uh, all of that, at some point, you discovered something about yourself, I guess, yeah. that uh, is really, it's an amazing thing. I mean, we celebrated here, but in our society, it takes a minute to work that out, that this is something to celebrate. So what can you tell me something about that?
1: Yeah, that was a journey. <laughs> Quite a journey.
0: But I kind of knew early on. I
1: knew in elementary what did you, school that I wasn't really into the girl. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I kind of figured that out. Um, and young, like you did on.
0: everything. You're just the prodigy. So you, even young, you realize this, is. I, but I didn't
1: come out at that time. It was just like trying to deny it. Like, that's not possible. Because right. growing up, and, and I'm just gonna face it, there's a lot of homophobia in my community. So a lot of people that, that was taboo, like, you're not gay. And then for a while, a lot of people I knew and m- even mentioned that to like, you, you're you going to grow out of that. That's a phase. So it took a while. I actually had a girlfriend in middle school mm-hmm. um, and it was more of like a platonic thing. Sure. Um, I actually liked her brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think about it now and it's kind of weird, but uh, it's <laughs> middle school. Um, but eventually I, I learned to embrace myself, but I think a lot of it had to do with um, you know, seeing other people. Who you know out there who are successful and who um, found their truth and were able to live it? Because
0: so, did you learn about people like uh, Harvey Milk or or uh, Alice Walker? Did you learn about these people in school or how did you find out? How do you find these role models? Well, I had a really good history teacher in high school. Actually, he went wow. above and beyond.
1: But I I, I love reading, so I sometimes I sit on Google at home and I just Google everything. Mm-hmm. The space, everything about LGBTQ, like all of the figures. I'm and one of the when I was raised Google was hardbound, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. Was, um, <laughs> they had the the, the Big Mac and But um, one of the things that stood out to me that really kind of gave me um, some hope, and that was Bayard Rustin, who was mm. I think one of the leading LGBTQ figures in history that doesn't get talked about. He was basically the brains behind yeah. the March of Washington. Everyone thinks of that and they say, "Well, that's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who's great and everything," mm-hmm. but. Um, it was really Bayard Rustin who organized and put that whole thing together. A black queer man, um, queer, Quaker, socialist,
0: (laughs) three great things, queer, Quaker and socialist.
1: (laughs) And nobody really teaches our kids that in school. So knowing that and, and seeing that, um, really allowed me to see a version of myself that, um, I didn't think was possible because you don't really get taught. Plus yeah. things a school, and then people tell you this is all new, this whole LGBTQ stuff is recent and modern, and I think about that and I say, well, what about Bayard Rustin, and what about all the other figures yeah. we have? Well,
0: it, yeah, people it. were telling Alexander the Great, this is a phase, it's new, They're just, they've just made it up, yes. they can outgrow it. He didn't outgrow it. No. Uh, he was too busy conquering the world, as the, his big homo self. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, there are uh, there's giggling over here. And that's from these three people. Who are these three people? Who are these people? Uh, The brains behind the operation, the uh, the operation, which is the of power the system. So not only are you like a model citizen, and not only are you an activist, and not only are you like the youngest politician I've ever met, you are also the subject the star, if you will, of uh, a documentary. And that's where these people come in, right? These three ladies are the director, these three people, because I'm old, I still use old language sometimes these three humans are, are the directors, right yep. of that film. So tell, tell me about this, uh, the halls of power, featuring feature Elijah Morgan. Manning. What's a, what, what, How did that come about? Yeah, well, actually,
1: I remember getting an email uh, from someone I uh, during a campaign. Um, and there was someone I, I, I want to say it was either Bianco or Janae. Maybe it was Garcia It was it was Jane. It It's an email. <laughs> and I kept getting this email and knowing me, I don't like to read emails. This is so. Janae and Graciel and Bianca. Yes. 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 And I remember getting an email ding on my computer and it was someone saying we're doing a, we, we're doing a project for our class and we want to do a short film and we'd like to interview you. And I didn't respond at first. I'm like, this could be a like, right wing. like thing." <laughs> I wasn't sure because I've, I've been interviewed before by people and then it ended up being like, a right wing rap, yeah, and it just rah rah. So I said I'm gonna wait, and then I kept getting the email, and then finally I responded, and I was able to go for an interview at Nova Southeastern University, which was right by Broward College, which is where I go. So it was close. Um, I was able to walk across the street and, and, and go to that interview, and it was interesting at first. I was like, me being interviewed, like,
0: well, it makes sense Not to everyone who's right. ever met you, but okay. <laughs> the, the, um do you even get the import of that yet maybe i mean maybe you're in the middle of things you don't you i mean you're just in the middle you can't see your own cheek but do, i mean you are still a student you're doing all these things you were you are a student yet right yeah. and uh you've done all these things and are the subject of a film
1: yeah
0: i've done a lot of things i'm not the subject of any film <laughs> Can you that? Yeah. you're the subject yeah. of a film that's a big deal right
1: it is. I should probably think
0: of it as more of a bit. <laughs> but you're too busy being a big deal to, 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 to think about it. No, that's the way it works, though, isn't it? Like your vision, you're, you're visionary and you're mission driven. And that's what people are noticing. And you're too busy yeah. doing to uh, to be too impressed with yourself. Which yeah, is why I, the rest of us are so impressed with you.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing I, I like about uh, the film is that it the story of it and the message that it sends, which I think is bigger than me, is get involved if you're young. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you come from and who you are, you could do a, l- a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. And w- whatever cave you're in now is
0: not the cave you'll be in later. I think there's a song, I'm not sure. <laughs> what that song
1: is. I'm thinking it's just rolling through my head right now. But.
0: Excellent. Well, there. Uh, so we've done civics, so we've done politics, we've done coming out, uh, we've done film. So I'm so happy these are also my favorite topics. But there's another one. You'll notice this fashion statement I'm making. Uh, that's because I'm a clergy person. This is Sunshine Cathedral. I'm the minister. You've been here a couple of times. So um, I've got to talk about spirituality a little bit. Yes. Um, you said that there was some homophobia growing up that gave you pause, you know. Uh, and then the person you sort of looked up to, that admired, uh, he he was he was a spirit, he was a Quaker. He was a spiritual person. He was also yeah. a socialist. Um, and the Christian socialist movement in the U.S. was a, was a Christian and basically evangelical movement. People don't, people don't get that. That's a different you know, story these days, right? But no, it made sense that their, their understanding of the gospel was that hungry people be fed and that nobody has their basic needs denied and everyone's treated with dignity. And so those Christian values informed their politics. That's what Christian socialism was. That, that's a, that, that'll be news to people hearing even me saying this right now. But uh, Bayard Rustin was a Quaker and a socialist and and a queer man and out. Uh, Dr. King took a a lot of abuse from some people in politics because it was known, and uh, he could have. uh, The FBI was after him anyway for a hundred other things. They could have just added that to the list. And um, so, but spirituality was a big part, obviously, of Dr. King. He was not only Baptist, also Universalist, then uh, Bayard Quaker. Where is spirituality in this for you? Was that part of what? held you back a minute? And is that part of what's propelling you forward now?
1: Yeah, I don't think it was the spirituality that helped me back. I think it was just people who abused uh, their religious beliefs (laughs) and against me. I mean, uh, believe it or not, at one point, I I mean, I used to grow up and we used to go to church every Sunday. We had to, it was a thing we had to do no matter what my mom, you know, woke up, you got to go to church that became less of a thing. And then I started going with my neighbor. Um, and I was just going from church to church, trying to find a home. Um, eventually my grandmother who, who lived right over in Stranahan, we get two knocks on the doors from these two, uh, Mormons and they're like, come here. So I went there for a while too. I found that wasn't really the thing. And then, you know, I, I really discovered for me, what I believe from all of my reading, I found a very deep connection to the old Testament and, and Judaism as a really Uh, a a religion I felt myself, I I can see myself in. And so Mm -hmm. that's been a journey. It's, you know, you're still exploring.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so how does that, um, how does that inform your work now? the spirituality you're, you're, it's not practicing, exploring how, how do those story, those ancient stories of the prophets and, and, and the Torah and the, and the wisdom writings, how, In which Elijah was one. Exactly. <laughs> the I, only one not to die. Yeah. Well, you know what? And there was, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, there, there's a legend that elijah will return you know he goes into the sky in, in this fiery you know whirlwind he doesn't actually die so there's a legend he would return which is why at passover there's a, a place set for elijah in case yes. this is the home he shows up at this is the night he comes back they leave the door unlocked they please and uh, i get those jokes every year they're like when are you coming when to you a, well but what if you have yeah. you know what i mean like that that here is a prophetic voice in a prophetic life back in the middle of things uh, you actually do embody, uh, the, the return of the prophet working for justice, working for inclusion, working for enlightenment. So, um, I actually think that's, there's a great deal of symmetry and all of that. So, yeah. uh, and, and so now do you think of yourself more as an activist, more as a politician, uh, or, 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 or are they the same really? They can't be
1: this. I tell people all the time, once you're elected, you're not an activist anymore. You're mm-hmm. governing. Um, you take what you learned from activism mm-hmm. and organizing, which is the thing I think a lot of elected officials forget. They go from organizing to activism, they get in government, and then they forget about all of that, and they're now a politician. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a politician. Right. I want to take organizer and activist, things I've learned from years working in the Black Lives Matter movement um, down here in Broward County for the Alliance, um, working with other groups like Dream Defenders and all of these other wonderful groups doing work and utilize that in the legislature to organize my colleagues one yeah. day um, on in the fight for justice.
0: What have you learned from Elijah working with him, featuring him in this film?
2: Oh man, there was a First of all, we interviewed him and learned a lot about him directly. And then in post-production, especially, we went into his background and all his social medias. <laughs> we did the rundown on him. And it was insane, like w- how he was involved in everything. There's a clip, actually. Um, gonna say if you want to explain, uh, that we found one of our interviewees going to a minimum wage protest. Um, I think it was at McDonald's uh, and how we, ha- yeah, team. go ahead. Yes. So basically, you know, we found that clip and he was involved in that and, you know, that's just an example of how, you know, involved is in the community and just trying to make a change and a difference, you know, in, for a lot of them, so. And I feel like it's a reflection of the times that we're living in, especially for the amount of research that we did on the film about you. You have an insane digital footprint, by the way. <laughs> It's but the, the, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like it's very reflective of our generation, you know, how we kind of just are either radicalized, either good or bad, through the internet. We kind of just find our communities online. Um, we get involved in organizing and also connecting with other members of our community through these online spaces as well. And it was because of the fact that his work was so well documented online was how we were able to put together the majority of this film outside of the initial interview that we did with Elijah at first. So just the whole duality of learning about Elijah directly from him himself, but also from other people that kind of just informed our research in that.
1: And if you ever want the opposition research on me, then you know where to find oh, me. Oh, right,
0: right. <laughs> well, thank you for featuring him. And thank you for being so courageous that uh, that you would be featured. And I want, there's a, a theologian uh, recently, he, not too many years ago, I think two years ago died, um, James Cone. Uh, he taught the seminary I went to in New York City. And uh, he used to say that the more particular you are, the more universal you are. So I understand that they they didn't really have the queer angle in the beginning. They just knew about this amazing voice, you know, active, young, blah, blah. Uh, turns out you're being a queer person, uh, and your queerness is part of all that amazingness. And so uh, it's our experience here at Sunshine Cathedral that, I mean, we embrace ourselves as a queer church. and uh, But we also have a lot, almost our entire, reverse from straight churches, almost our entire music staff is straight. Uh, and so it's... It's like uh, that at the bars. And <laughs> yeah, it's exactly in the most... <laughs> But that if you will be you, you're giving everyone else permission to be them, and that's what's attractive to people. And so a lot of times people say, oh, well, if, you know, if you, if you do the queer angle, that's going to... No, if you will be you, that gives everyone else permission to be them, and that is what's compelling. And so thank you for being a queer activist and, and, and an out loud queer person. You're helping everyone be who they are. So God thank bless you for that. Thank you. LGBTQ plus news is vital for our community and for the broader world as a whole. We have enough enemies at Fox News. Tucker, Sean and Lara are loud. We need passionate allies. Happening Out Television Network, Queer News Tonight and It's Happening Out are literally out of the closet and into the headlines. Our community needs your support. Like this broadcast and subscribe now to ensure the growth of the entire LGBTQ plus community.